0: Currently based in the UK, they have a total of 40 years of expat experience. They're both qualified coaches, and they've combined their coaching skills and their experiences as expat partners to create Thrive. Thrive is a program that helps partners of expatriate assignees to overcome the challenges of identity and purpose they often experience when they move abroad and to create expat lives they love. Thrive kicks off on March the 3rd. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxett. welcome everybody today i have with me two beautiful ladies louise wells and evelyn simpson uh welcome hey how are you (laughs) hi thanks hi so how, how are you both of you doing i know both of you are in different parts of the uk is that correct
1: we are i'm up in edinburgh this is evelyn speaking i'm up in edinburgh which is Actually, not too far from where I grew up and where I went to university, but I haven't lived here for the last 26 years. Um, and I'll let Louise tell you where she is.
2: Okay. <laughs> well, if you kind of draw a line south and just keep going, I'm down in the, the very south of the UK. Okay.
0: okay.
2: In, near Portsmouth um, okay. on the okay. south coast. Nice,
0: okay. nice. Well, yeah. Um, I did a little bit of an introduction to, both, to what both of you do, but I, I feel like you got uh, both of you would do it uh, better than I would. So why don't you start, Louise, and tell us about who you are, what you're doing, and um, you know, uh, and then uh, I'll, I'll move to you, Evelyn, and then maybe both of you can discuss how you met and where how you got to where you are now.
2: Okay. Um, well, um, I first moved abroad about twenty years ago now. Um, My husband's job took him to Spain, and um, after a year of thinking about it, I finally followed him. (laughs) Um, Actually, for me, it was quite a a wrench to give up my career in the UK. It took me about a year to make the decision to do that. But then I moved, and uh, Madrid, what a fantastic city that is, so not a bad place to move to. And then since then, we've moved pretty much every three or four years, all in Europe, though. I haven't um, traveled so between the continents, I stayed on this one,
0: Right.
2: in some beautiful places, and Madrid, as I said, Um, the Portuguese island of Madeira, um, Lisbon, and then last year we moved back to the UK in August, Um, so actually, Evelyn and I both moved back at pretty much the same time, which is rather quite surprising, really, it surprised both of us, because it wasn't on the cards, but we kind of both, well, on the cards, it wasn't on the long-term cars I should say but you know we both last year decided that was the right move for our families and so we moved back to the UK and the reason for my moves have always been my husband's so um my husband's career and we've made the choice to to support that career and and move as well initially as just me but then we had children so then the family as well got two daughters um one was born in the UK and one was born in Portugal so whilst three of us moved home Our little one didn't. She moved away (laughs) and she still talks about Portugal as being her real home, Um, not the UK. Evelyn.
1: Yeah, well, from from my perspective, I I grew up in a teeny, teeny, teeny little place in Scotland, which is officially a hamlet, which is even smaller than a village. Um, And somewhere between there and starting work, um, my vision expanded, and I ended up going to um, university in in Edinburgh, then moving to London, and then pretty much as soon as I graduated, um, I went with my two suitcases and moved to New York. Um, And I ended up working there as an investment banker for almost 10 years, did my MBA at Columbia there, which is also where I met my husband. Um, And I probably still would have been in New York um, if I hadn't met him. But he was, he's Australian and he was moving off to Hong Kong. And so I decided that I would look for a job there and move there about a year later um, and since then, our daughter was born in Hong Kong. Um, we moved to Switzerland where our son was born. And then we've lived in China, back in the US, in Michigan for a while, and Belgium. And as Louise said last summer, we we moved to Scotland. Um, and so although it's home for me feels a bit weird after 26 years Um, and neither my husband nor my kids have ever have ever lived here so the kids are living in their past one of their passport countries for the first time in their lives Um, Professionally, I resigned my job when our daughter was born um, and just before we moved to Switzerland. And I was pretty happy at home with the kids for a few years, but I realized that I needed to have a professional life too. I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it's enough to say that the road to starting thriving abroad with Louise Um, has been pretty long and twisty, and there have been a few kind of detours and dead ends along the way. But, yeah, here we are with Thriving Abroad, um, which we set up, really, to help people like us, um, you know, expat partners, because we realized that a lot of people... Move overseas to accompany their their partners um, for international assignments, and somehow along the way, perhaps it's because they can't work, or or they have to rethink things professionally, or they decide not to work for a while. But somehow they kind of get they lose that part of themselves along the way, and so what we really help them to do is find. that part of the experience that's for them and really um, build meaningful lives for
0: themselves whilst they're overseas. Wow. Loved it. I mean, you know, as, as both of you were talking, I'm reminded of the experience of my mom. I saw my mom, um, you know, go through the retirement of her career and, um, you know, doing a lot of, you know, the same things you were doing. So I'm very curious as to it seems like Evelyn and, and Louise both of you had different uh, experiences having to let go of a certain career what was that mindset like I know it took you a year I think Louise you said
2: yeah it took me a year to decide to leave my sort of, corporate career yeah um, and, and, and yeah it was a tough it was a tough decision because in a way it felt that I was giving up Some well, it was something that was important to me it was a job I enjoyed sure Um but once I made the decision, perhaps it—it it was probably quite emancipating in a way because it meant that I could, you know, then rethink. Um, although uh, a bit like Evelyn, my rethinking sort of went in a number of different directions, and I—I retrained. I, I um, retrain, taught English in Madrid. That was the one thing I did there, and then I decided to to, re, to redirect my career completely, and. Um, did the psychology degree I always wished I'd done, and then a master's in occupational psychology. So I very much used the experience to my you know, advantage there. Um, but then after that, finding a role that could use those that sort of academic qualification and could travel with me was was quite difficult. And yeah, it took me yeah, you know, it's taken me five or six years to, to develop it to to point where I I feel really comfortable with it, and also. To develop something that travels. I mean, that was that was really the key. I suddenly realised that my husband, he was a TCK, and he has this kind of wanderlust. So I was kind of, you know, we're back in the UK. Before, <laughs> so I'm not sure. I doubt it. And he travels for his work because that's what, yeah, that gives him his his. He manages to get out, right. <laughs> to Get abroad. Um, and and so I felt I needed something that I could just take with me, pack in my suitcase, and we'd come to. Um, and
0: that
2: has been you know, part, of, right. part of
0: developing my career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it sounds like it, it. Initially, I mean, it was it was very hard because obviously mean, you obviously you work hard for something, and then you know now it's like you face a decision to give that up, and then you, know, you also have that dynamic of you know the love of your life, your 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 partner, and it's there are certain factors, family, and all these things to think about, and yeah. what do you give up? But um, and then it, it's uh, sorry, go ahead.
2: Well, and no, this is a thought that just struck me as as you said that there, you know, the uh, one thing I've had to say to myself and the you know, one thing my husband has never done is tell me that I should do it. It's always been, you know, it had to be my choice had I and I've always known that if I really wanted to I could say no so each excessive move we yeah. sat down and talked it through but even knowing that it's quite difficult to say no because you're <laughs> you know jeopardizing <laughs> <laughs> to a certain extent someone else's career
0: Absolutely.
2: but I've always said to myself at that point well I've you making this choice it's it, you, know, you can say no and he's always said that to me and I haven't said no so you know it's it's been my choice but there, yes, on a bad day, you know, there's a bit of resentment there sometimes, I should say. I mean, which is, yeah. Yeah, okay. Too, too, but occasionally I do think, well, if I hadn't, you know, where would I be 20 years on? You know, right, what kind right. of career would I have in the corporate world now? Would I. You no, know, I always imagined my life, I would, be, I would have a career. I never imagined that I would have time when I wasn't working. I was always very sure I wanted to work and have a career. Um, and I imagined, you know, it would be in a corporate environment.
0: Right. Right. Um, but
2: it's it's not been and I, I don't regret that now there have been times perhaps when I have but now I
0: don't know I love what I do now it's good it's good, it's good to hear now now you Evelyn um, you did have some time I don't know if was it a lot of time in the corporate world I think you did investment banking
1: yeah well, I, I, I was in investment banking for 12 years okay um, I worked for Predecessors of um, what has now of of banks that have been merged and merged and merged into JPMorgan Chase, um, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, for me, I think though it was a little different um, from from Louise because at the point um, at the point I moved. To, to Hong Kong and was working there I was doing insolvency work for Asian companies which was pretty much soul destroying um, and then I had because, because I was just travelling constantly and my husband was too we were doing really tragic things like meeting in Jakarta airport to have a cup of coffee and a cuddle <laughs> it was kind of like oh dear this is really bad so I would moved over more to the administrative side of the bank but I had realized that um, once our our daughter was born, I realized that there was no way that I wanted to continue working the kind of hours that are necessary to succeed, even in the more administrative side of an investment banking um, environment. So, and I I have to say that I am forever grateful that I left my investment banking career behind because. I just I don't I don't know how we would have survived as a family with me doing that kind of career. Um it just it requires a hundred percent commitment. So um for me, by the time we were moving to Switzerland, it was kind of time for a rethink time. anyway. Right. Yeah um and so I was quite grateful to just take a step back, focus on our daughter and then of course our son was born and you know I did voluntary bits and pieces here and there and um, enjoyed some of that didn't enjoy some of it so much Um, but you know you kind of get into the way of doing things that way and then suddenly you wake up and you realize that you've neglected this professional side of yourself to a large extent for years and so that's when I started looking at what else could I do. Um, I did some psychology courses. I um, I trained as a yoga teacher, um, which I love. And I still from time to time do a bit of yoga teaching and still practice. But I realized that Opening a yoga studio is not exactly a portable career, so <laughs> <laughs> that's never really come to anything. Um, and so that, but then I eventually landed on coaching, which is something that I had done informally, um, both with other expats um, and way back when in my career with junior with junior staff members. Um, and so, yeah, I, I. Started, I trained as a coach. Louise and I both started businesses individually. Um, and eventually, through doing a piece of research together, um, we came together and started talk- and talked about, and that
0: eventually did create our own company, which is thriving abroad. Boom. Yeah, so it was right there. Now, you met doing research together. Was that in a particular country or was that in an online format?
1: Um, we we met um, we met online um, through LinkedIn. Um, there was a lady on a, a forum, someone who was working in HR, who said, "What is it about expat partners? You get them a visa, and because they, they say they want to work, and then they don't work. What is it? Do they even really want to work?" And Louise and I both, I think, saw red separately from our little businesses. I was in Bru- uh, I was in Brussels, and she was in Lisbon at the time. So we, were, we had our own coaching practices then, and we both saw this and went, "Oh my goodness, it's way more complicated than that." And so <laughs> we we started talking to each other via LinkedIn and. I can't even remember which one of us said, do you want to do some research around this? Um, But whomever did um, inspired the conversation, and we both jumped on it and did the um, career choice and the accompanying partner survey, which we published in 2012.
0: Wow, that's good. That's quite the story there. It always seems... You know, there's always a problem that you know. Whenever you have you encounter a problem that you want to fix, it's that can often spawn into a business idea or a passion. Um, that, that certainly was the case for me, as as you both found that earlier. So I always love hearing that point, that genesis, when uh, the business was formed. So that's great. Now, your niche, both of you, is export uh, expat partners, um, and that's different from the expat population as a whole. So what makes the expat experience different for the expat partner when compared to the expat employee?
2: Yeah, I think, um, well, I guess that the key difference is that the expat employee is moving usually with a, a defined role. And we're talking about someone who's relocating for their career um, with the you know, the job already defined. And, and, and so for them, they're moving into a work environment that, you know, has a, a schedule and a routine, a nine to five, um, in which they're meeting colleagues. Okay, it might be a new environment, so we're not sort of detracting from the challenge that that entails at all. Um, but you know, they have got something that's defining their lives there, the role and um, their identity that comes through that role. Whereas a partner is often giving up um, if they've had a career, giving up the career before they as they relocate abroad as, as I did, actually not so much Evelyn, but um, initially for Evelyn anyway, but moving abroad, giving up the, the career, um, moving into a new community, perhaps a new country with a different language as, as I did. And, and so having to immediately try and create a new environment, a new lifestyle for themselves, which uh on the one hand it can seem very attractive I remember when we moved to Madrid I loved the first three to four months I just could not believe I wasn't having to get up and go to work and, and <laughs> I could go to the gym whenever I wanted to go to the gym and you know, and just enjoy a bit of downtime and I really did enjoy those first it probably was the first four or five months but then I got I got actually quite very lonely it's it wasn't easy to find people because the people I met were my husband's colleagues and they were all at work every day so um you know I, they went around during the day um I did I went to language courses and I met people through that but it just takes time to build up a career um sorry to build up a lifestyle to, to make new friendships um develop your sort of local community and then for me Because we didn't have a family at that point, I I really did need a career. I really suddenly realised, I think in about month six, that I was going to have to find myself something um, in in Spain, in Madrid. Um, And I think that's often, you know, for expat partners who relocate without families... That, that there is a void that needs to be filled in that sense. Those who relocate with families, perhaps not so much because I know and I know from my later experience when we relocated with family that you do spend the first you know, year probably settling your children in and being more worried about them and their social lives and helping them to create their new lives. and then actually through them you create your social life as well. so it actually is easier. But then there's still the question mark over sort of the professional side of life and you know what you're going to do. Um, so that's probably the, that's how I would say to, the two differ. You know, from the expat employee and the expat partner's perspective on on the relocation experience. I think. Do you have anything to add to that, Evelyn?
1: Yeah, I was just I was just going to say that I, you know I think people when when expat partners move overseas they often have a things in mind that they want to do you know maybe it's um learning learning a language um or perhaps it's you know catching up on projects that they've neglected that are maybe more hobbies um than than, than careers and they're not sure what they want to they, they know that they want to do them but then they get out to, to wherever they're living and they realize that they need to create a social life um, they realize sometimes you know they start learning the language um, they go to classes um, maybe they start on some of those long neglected projects but they realize that actually it's not giving it's not giving them the fulfillment that they want to do it's it there there are valuable things to do in themselves Um But they're not what it's all about. Um, And they need to create the social networks, but also they need to find a purpose in life. And that's really the bit, that's the part where we we try to help them most is working out what that purpose should be, what appeals to them, um, what's going to give them their life's fulfillment, and we help them to go and find it. Because
0: that's also quite hard sometimes, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's completely, I was going to touch on this, Is I think it's completely necessary. I know, um, I, you, you know, having that, growing up in that type of relationship, you know, often you, you see how it is and it affects, you know, both your daddy and mom. And I'm always very curious how you deal with, with that loneliness factor. Because, for example, let's say I'm, I'm in a situation where, um, you know, the older kids have gone. Like, so example, all the kids have gone. Or they've gone. They're doing their own thing. They're adults now. And your husband goes to work, and you, you know you're left alone. What do you do? I mean, how do you make new friends? How do you, you know, move past just TV? Because there's only a certain amount of TV you can watch in a day. <laughs> you know, as yeah. certain, and You're in a new environment, even if it's English speaking or a or, uh, foreign language. How do you find that fulfillment and purpose that you have? Because how do you even know who to meet? You know, make friends and stuff like that.
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, as Louise mentioned before, when you have younger kids, um, getting out and meeting new people is really easy, Um, particularly, you know, if your kids are going to an international school, which... Lots of families choose to send their kids to international schools because they're going to be moving somewhere else or whatever. So if you're in that environment where you have exposure to expats or if you're already conversant in the language and your kids are going to local school, then you find that naturally you start speaking to people at school and you've got this common bond of your children um, to, to kind of. Ease the way into friendships, um, but if you don't have kids or if your kids are left have left home, it can be a lot more difficult. Um, you know, there there are expat groups um, for people who um, who want to get out there in a lot of countries. Um, they, I, I always say that you should pick things that interest you. Um, where you already, if you already know the kinds of things that you really enjoy, you should explore those in the country where you are, because, again, it's about that common bond. Um, You know, if you do something completely random that you're not really interested in, chances are you're not going to find people that are like-minded doing similar things. Right. But it is it can be difficult I'm quite introverted um I I could no way (laughs) I am yeah (laughs) I could spend a lot of time behind my computer and be quite happy so I do have to make myself get out and do things and meet people and create that social environment for myself what about you Louise?
2: yeah I'm thinking about this earlier today and thinking one of my regrets probably Right from the beginning, when we first moved to Madrid, and and I would only know this now retrospectively, but I I signed up for you know language courses, but I did the why well, I went to the university to do one, and it was a number of hours every day, and that kind of got me into a, a group of um, of expats. Um, actually, because it was university, they were all much younger, so they were students. They were seventeen, eighteen-year-olds, and I was quite a bit older. I in my I think I was thirty at that point. Um, and I spent my time doing that, but I didn't make a huge amount of progress with the language. And now, looking back at it, what I would have done would have gone and done a complete immersion. <laughs> it would have been hell, <laughs> probably. But I would have you know, learned to speak the language much more quickly. And, and then also, you know, been able to in, immerse myself in, in groups that, yeah, were interesting to me and hope and then yeah. you know, hopefully met people through that. Um, and I think often people don't do that. I you know, lot of people living in Lisbon, they do their hour a week, two hours a week, Portuguese. Yeah, you know, that's not enough to get yourself to fluent. If that's the only connection you have with the language, you, you know, you've got to be doing it more than that every day. And so now with my with hindsight I would you know be one of my ways in you know get yourself into a good immersion course learn the language and then get yourself into interest groups in that language to consolidate it um that would have made i think a big difference for me no,
0: it's good <laughs> i i think i think what you're saying you know this is i don't know if you're how familiar you are with internations.
2: yes yep.
0: yes yes uh, yes uh, yeah so i'm i'm a member and um i mean i haven't been as involved as i want to but I've, I've met some cool people through that but it seems Every time I go, I I do meet you know expat partners and people, um, you know who are just you know bonded with some. Life is
2: full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans.
0: I've always been uh, always empathetic just because I've seen it from, from the outside, but I've never actually lived a life the way both of you have. And I'm always, you know, whenever my, my mom went through it, I was always looking at it and just wondering, you know, wh- what that was like. Because I, I was always either in school or away or, you know, just something. So it was always some sort of activity, but having to give up something and then just stay, you know, at home, I it's always been at the back of my mind, but I, I never knew. You know, I didn't even know what to say. You know, I wasn't sure, you know, if I said anything and that would help at all. So, um, you I, know, and the,
2: and the other the other thing is that so many partners, they'll move every three to four years. And yes. it's quite interesting having that conversation as people get towards moving on. You know, there's kind of some excitement and, and you know, positive anticipation about where they're going to next. Yes. It's a yes. nice yes. place. But also there's often the, Oh, you now I've got to do it all again. I've got to start I've to zero. You know, everything goes back to zero, and I've got to go out and, do, you
0: know, it's tough. It is yeah. tough. In that respect. tough. Okay. Yeah. yeah, no. So, staying on this topic of expert partners and something that you you talked to, you touched on earlier. You know, both of you met. You you were just like, no way, that's not the way expert partners are. Um, so, you conducted some research. I um, I believe you said it was over three hundred expert partners, and that was in two thousand twelve. Yeah. Can you talk to me about what you found and um, how that inspired your work?
1: Yeah, well, as we said before, we felt that you know the 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 choices about career, about work and fulfillment that expat partners make are much are much more complex than just simply are are you legally permitted to work in a particular country? Um, And it turns out that that's exactly um, the case. It's about a whole host of factors um, in addition to... Visa is obviously important because if someone says you can't work, that kind of limits your options work-wise. But, um, yeah there's a whole host of other factors that affect people's decision-making process. It's language, it's culture. Um, it can be salary levels or recognition of professional status. There's a whole host of, uh, of practical issues, childcare, your partner's travel schedule, the fact that you're not sure how long you're going to be in a particular place. Um, so it, it actually is a very, what we found is that it's a very complex and very highly individual decision. Um, and we also discovered that choice isn't always what it seems. A lot of partners Choose and I've got I'm doing the, in, the inverted commas with my fingers here. Um, <laughs> not to work because they know that their options are go, are going to be limited by their circumstances. Um, you know, they 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 understand that someone's got to stay at home to look after the kids and make sure that they get to school on time and blood, or you know, they're not comfortable with the, the childcare options that are available to them, so they choose. But for them, it doesn't always feel like it really is a choice. Um, we also we also looked a little bit at how fulfilled partners felt. And while well, we didn't we didn't delve into this aspect of it in as much de- depth as we probably should have in retrospect. Um, we didn't really look at correlations. Um, but one of the, the, the stunning statistics that we we found was that of people who described their personal Um, I guess, way of, or their personal feeling about where they were as either unfulfilled or very unfulfilled, 79% of those weren't working. Mm. Um, And actually, I think understanding the complexity and then um, realising that career was so much more complicated um, just made us... it made us realize that we had to think about career um, and fulfillment in a, in a really much more broad way when we're working with expat partners um, and look at really the whole person and a a much wider concept of where they find their purpose in life. Mm, Do you want to add anything to that?
2: Um, well, just to say that, you know, the, the big, you know, right at the beginning when we, we started analysing and, and asked the question, do you want to, do you think you'd like to work while you're abroad or not? 78% said that they did in some form. So, you know, most people, you know, majority of, of expat partners and other studies have, have found that too, do want to work in some form, but it's just, as evidence. So finding something that fits. Um,
1: and most of them have been working as well. I think something like 80% of them have been working before they relocate overseas.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so then it it comes down to, you know, helping them to define, well, helping to think through what career means to them in its broadest sense. So it's not necessarily a nine-to-five paid job in a corporate environment. You know, I think people relocate abroad and often think in their minds, well, I'll just pick up with my career somehow here. And they have that, you know, like I was in marketing before and you do marketing here. But actually that might not be possible and you might have to think out of your box and think differently about how you can apply your skills bias, from bias, home to, 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 to new, to new situation and circumstances.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, this is something that I have and this is something that just popped in my head. Is it possible to maintain your, your professional career as an exp- uh, expat partner? Because I have... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I, I there's a lapse there. I, I'm, just, I'm just curious because I, I, you know, I, you know, every three years. Yeah,
2: yeah, I think in some some if, if you know, some a few of the people who responded to our survey had done that and said it was, and um, perhaps they were just fortunate in the field. I think if you work in, for example, education, often that's quite. I'm going to say simple, but it's easier because you can find international schools, universities. Have a opening you know, more you know, more chance of finding a role in those environments internationally. Um, if you're a doctor, perhaps in some countries and others you can't because your qualifications aren't recognised. Lawyers often we find lawyers just can't because they've trained in one legal system and you know, that doesn't transfer. So it really does depend on the sort of professional career they're starting with and and relocating with. Um, but I would say. It's perhaps not cont- create or it's perhaps not continuing the exact status you had before. But there are ways if you start opening your mind and thinking differently that you can create, a yeah. professionally international career. You know, something that moves with you. Um, and and, and yeah, but it, but you might have to think differently and and challenge yourself to to yeah. think differently.
1: Yeah, and I, I was going to say exactly the same, it, maybe the same thing, in a slightly different way. It's it's about expectations of what you want for your career because I, I would say that with every time you move, if you're looking to continue on um, a career that is on a particular particular path, so you know, let's say you're in marketing. Um, if you want to continue on a career path that includes a very traditional form of career advancement, every time you get you move countries, it becomes exponentially more difficult to do that. But if you're looking at a career where it's maybe more of an accumulation of skills and applying your skills in different ways to... Um, and even develop new skills to do different different things rather than have that traditional career ladder type of career, then it's absolutely possible to maintain it as you move around.
0: Okay. No, it's good. I mean, I'm sometimes I watch TV. So one of the shows I watch is the good wife and, um, I don't know why I watch it, but it's a good show. But, <laughs> but, but, but the thing that happened was her husband was a state attorney. He got into legal problems. She was on this path to being an incredible lawyer. She had to stop that for several years, and then she came back. To, she had to support the family once he yeah. left. And, then the re- and that was one of the reasons I was asking the question is, I know in certain countries there are legal rights. You have to do that. But when you come back home when you, or your passport country, do people pick up where they left off or is it that did they find that they have to resign because um, I as, as I've seen it in both both ends my mom was able to pick up initially after the first move but then she decided to resign when my youngest was born yeah, um yeah. so it's it's I'm just curious what whether in your research you found that people were were willing to go back to their work having that idea that they're not going to get the promotion that they were initially on track to get but you know it's still the same work that they were familiar with, whether it's three years ago or not. Yeah,
1: yeah I, mean, I mean, we didn't we didn't, we didn't, really, we didn't really research that aspect, aspect of it, of the returning home aspect of, aspect of it, but of anecdotally, what, what we, we see among among partners, partners is that, that it it varies. It varies. Some, some you know some some, some, some companies, some organizations, organizations are quite, quite good, good about saying. saying you can you take, take a three-year year leave of absence, absence and come, come back, back and, and you can and step, step into your job. job. And, you know, a, you lot, know, a lot, lot of, of um, in, in, in for, for people coming from Europe from in particular, um, um, often, often those, those rights to return, return to, jobs, to are jobs are protected, are protected um, um, by, by, by the, the legal, the legal system, system in the country. country. Um, so, so, you know, so some people are able to do that. For a lot of people... It's, it's quite difficult, difficult because they, they unless they make, a make really, really conscious effort um, to keep up, up then, then it can be quite, quite difficult, difficult to, step to step back in. Um, um, if their if rights, the aren't rights aren't protected, they, they often find, they find that it is difficult to come, come back into the, into the workplace at the at same, same level because they've got this, got this um, what, what for a lot, a lot of people is a kind of inexplicable. Um, gap um, the gap in, their res- resume, in their in their your, resume, resume. in their resume and their CV, so, so you know employers, you know, are, employers are looking so at it and going, "What were you were doing for three years?" And, and then, then for a whole, whole load of people, people, you know, you the, the, the initial, initial three year assignment turns into, into you know, instead, you know, instead of going, going home, home, they go, go somewhere, somewhere else instead. So what was three years away from your career? Um, uh, become, become six, six, or six or ten, ten. <laughs> and you
0: know at and, you some, know, at some point, point you have, you have you to have say to mean, I'm not going back to that. that No, exactly um all right so uh, just a few more questions here before we wrap up uh, and I ask you the million dollar question which is how you use your difference to make a difference but um <laughs> uh, <laughs> the uh I, I want to know more about the kids component so uh, what is it like being being a mom and raising children in different parts of the world and seeing them grow, and seeing them adapt to all these cultures. How do you talk to them? How do you deal with the changes? How do you do all that?
1: Um, um, shall um, I, go shall first,
0: I go first, Louise? That I was tempted to say ladies first, and then both of you are ladies. I was like, I, I, you know, <laughs> whoever <that> goes. <laughs> <help me. laughs>
1: um You know, for for, for me. Um, my kids as you know have are only just now living in one of their passport they've both got two passports and I think technically could have three but there are only so many passports I feel like renewing in one year so not doing that um but they um they they've always lived overseas until now so wherever we've been has been their home um I guess maybe because of my exposure to the concept of third culture kids and understanding, well, um, you know, what the, what the challenges and advantage and advantages of being a third culture kid are. I've really encouraged my kids to embrace their differences. Um, I don't know if that's always been successful. (laughs) Um, And, you know, this time moving with a 15 year old is an entirely different experience than moving with younger kids. Um, but yeah, they it, it's really interesting to look at them versus um, their peers who have never moved overseas. And I, I can see that they are very different kids as a result of their experiences and um, they see the world differently, they approach problems differently um, you know moving with a 15 year old has been challenging and she'd kill me if she heard me saying this but I did I we did ruin her life for a while um, <laughs> oh no <laughs> but because she's had that experience she's been absolutely amazing in fact both of I'm this is this is kind of my, my proud mummy moment. I, I'm so proud of both of them in the way that at relatively um, difficult ages, they've um, embraced their situation, they've got on with it, they've made friends, they've adapted to a new school and done really, really well. Um, and I think their ability to to do that is at least in part because of the experiences that they've had before. So, okay. Is that
0: answering the question? I, I, yeah, I mean, I feel like this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a parent yet, but um, I'm. I'm always looking at the other side because I, I know what it's like being the kid. But there's obviously a different dynamic. Um, uh, you know, being a parent um, and just seeing you, the changes that I, I can imagine that you see. I, I was just curious because you know, the, when everyone moves and everyone in global transition, there's always the expat. The expat feel something they expect partner feel something they expect kids feel something so uh, I've always I always wanted to make sure I cover every area so yeah. yeah good okay all right um rapid fire questions here before it's the last one what has been your favorite country so far
2: uh, <laughs> please, you can go can first you go first
0: while <laughs> you, you think of the answer
2: to <laughs> me uh, Portugal. I mean, we were in Portugal for nine years, and it has a big part of our hearts, really. Particularly because my youngest daughter was born there, and she's so she was born on the island of Madeira, and she, you yeah, know, we have to visit that at least once a year because that's, yeah, that's her home. She says, It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> yeah, that's where I'm from. That's where I'm from. If she's ever asked, that's where she's from, and and she definitely feels a link back to that. Um, and, and Portugal, yeah, yeah it's. Um, yeah, Spain, we went there for so long, so Portugal really, it's our like second home, second home,
0: yeah. All right, all right, what about, what about you?
1: Um, for me, um, I, I think if you asked anyone in my family, the country that we would most like to experience again would be Switzerland because we had such a, a wonderful time there and it's a beautiful country and, um, you know, lakes, mountains. We're really outdoorsy people, so we, we loved all of that. Um, but in terms of maybe the most... Um, life changing country. Um, the experience that was most broadening that would have to be China. We lived in Shanghai for three years, and um, it, it's the most difficult place we ever we moved to. Um, but it was also the place where it just it was a bit of a, a life changing experience. And after all the challenges of the first few months, we did end up absolutely loving it. Um, having said that, I'm not sure we move
0: back. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, you know, it's, it's one of those, you learn and it makes you a better person and then you know, that that's had its phase in its life. So there you go. Best. Okay. Before I go to the best, your favorite food, which is I'm giving you a little cheat here for you to cheat even think about your favorite food right now is which countries do you support during the world cup? (laughs) Um... (laughs)
1: Uh, we're we're a rugby family. Um, oh ru- okay we're, we're, fine. We're, okay, we're doing a rugby so world cup. it the, rug- <laughs> the rugby world cup, and it, it's a bit of a contentious issue because you know m- my husband was born in New Zealand, but is very much is, is an Australian, um, and. Scotland is not so great at rugby, so <laughs> <laughs> we kind of we end up with this hierarchy of teams that we support, and as as they get knocked out, then we move on to the next one,
2: <laughs> which sounds really terrible, but it's kind of it kind of works for us. Okay. For us, it's, Always the UK, with the exception
0: of my youngest one, who it's Portugal. <laughs> well, well, I, and, and, are you also a rugby family or a football? Fan? No, 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 football.
2: I'm, I'm talking. Cristiano
0: soccer. Ronaldo. So she, she probably, she oh, probably Ronaldo. is a fan. Yes, of Cristiano Ronaldo. Ronaldo. She, the, she, 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 yeah. He was born on the island of Madeira. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was too. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little. Bit, I, I, um, you know, Nigeria doesn't often get far in the World Cup, so I, I, I usually, I go for uh, Holland, and I'm. A huge uh, Ronaldo fan, so I end up doing that. But it's yeah, I don't know for some reason. The, the Dutch have always been a favorite of mine. So, um, all right, well, cool. Depending now- on
1: the, sorry, depending on the sport for us, we, we'll also sometimes embrace some of the countries that we've lived in as well. So exactly. If, there's, if there are none of our home countries, then we'll go for a Swiss or a
0: Chinese or,
1: yeah, we've got lots of choices.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I always say, you know, I mean, I'm very lucky during the World Cup because I can say I have some ties to that country. And you, yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> but um, okay, so we had that that moment there. what's your favorite food which which country has the best food in your opinion uh,
1: for for me i I'm a huge fan of Asian food of all sorts. I love Thai food, I love I prefer spicier foods um so Sichuan food from China. Um, Indonesian food, love it all. Okay, okay. And
2: I have to say, in Portugal, well, back in Yale is our least favorite, I think. Um, but fresh fish, I mean, in Portugal, yeah. Go down to the beach and get some fresh grilled fish with salad, <laughs> fantastic,
0: yeah. I i think we should move Portugal to the way you are right now. It seems, like, uh, <laughs> it seems like it's got a big piece of your heart, so... Uh, um, Hopefully, yeah. okay. Um, all right. Um, how do both of you ladies use your difference to make a difference?
1: Um, I guess uh, as as we said before, um, we've got a fundamental belief that for for expat partners, expat life is an opportunity. It's a gift, um, and I guess that kind of that is our difference it separates us from a lot of what you hear out there for expat partners a lot of what's out there already is about overcoming the losses overcoming the challenges and of course that's important but we think it's about a lot more than that it's about embracing life looking for the opportunities and running with them so and how we use that is we don't just help expat partners to survive their experience. Um, we want to help them to see the possibilities for transformation and to make the most of them. And it's really about, I guess, if I had to put it in just a few words, it's a, we use our difference to help expat partners to think bigger about their experience. Love it. Yeah. Love, it. Love it. That's good. It's
2: good. Um, i said that very, very elegantly. Yeah, so I yeah, guess perhaps it would be our mindset, mindset. Would be yeah, in a word, word mindset, mindset, which is about opportunity and word, and, 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 and personal, personal development, using the whole experience as a growth and personal and development one.
0: one. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. All right. So I mean, you know, I certainly enjoyed <laughs> more. I was I was taking notes because I was um, I'm going to talk to my mom after this because <laughs> she on <laughs> our last post and she's uh she got posted uh here to uh united states so this is the first time we're actually in the same continent um
2: Fantastic. for a long
0: time but but is, you is know she in new york? she's she's in dc i'm in i'm in new york so okay. yeah um but and then my you know i'm, I'm 25 my younger, i have younger was 24 and then the youngest is 15 so she everyone's pretty much mature at this point. Um, and i you know i'm always thinking oh, what is she gonna do what are you gonna do so i i was taking notes and taking everything down you know because <laughs> you, know, you know she left the business back home as well so uh-huh. um i am this is such a timely timely uh interview so i'll um i'll give her a call right after this but where can we find out more about what you're doing and what specifically are you doing to support expert partners right now as we close
2: okay well thanks tayo Well, as you know, we work with expat partners who've relocated abroad due to their partner's employment, business, or perhaps to their partner's native country. And in our answer to Taya's wonderful questions, we've talked about the challenges involved in relocating as an expat partner. And, you know, we really recognise these challenges because as expat partners ourselves, we've experienced them all. And we want to inspire partners to really utilise the expat experience as an opportunity for personal and professional growth and development. So we've developed the Thrive programme of support for expat partners and we've designed it to help them create expat expat lives that they love. Now it's delivered as an online group coaching programme, which means that partners can join us from all over the world and work together to identify what they want to create in their lives abroad and then work to achieve it. All that people need to join us is a reliable internet connection, a computer or iPad, tablet, and hey presto, they're all set up to go. So the next programme begins on March 3rd. And this is a really timely interview, so thank you very much, Tayo, because running through February, we're hosting our free masterclass video series, Live Your Best Life Abroad. And so we'd love to invite any expat partners listening to join us for this series of free videos. They're going to get to meet us again virtually and get started on thinking about how they can create their lives they love abroad. They can access the Masterclass series by registering at thrivingabroad.com forward slash live dash your dash best dash life. And I think, Taya you said you were going to place some information near to this recording. Um, so hopefully, Ty you can place that link there Then they, they can access this through that link. So we really look forward to welcoming people to this free video series and also invite them to join our community on Facebook. It's called Thriving Abroad and we'd love to have you join our conversation there.
0: Thank you so much, ladies. Uh, This has been absolutely fun, and um, I can't wait for this to come out. This is going to be fantastic, lots of nuggets of wisdom. So uh, thank you. Fantastic uh, to have you on here.
2: Thank you so much for your time today, Tayo, in interviewing us. It's been great fun, a great conversation. Bye for now.
0: You've just been listening to the Ask Tall by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world.
2: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.